you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have uh, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have Reverend Kinsey Tate uh, with us, who is the uh, founder and director of Restore Clergy. Kinsey, thank you for being with us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love yeah. being able to talk about what I do because I'm super excited about it. So I really appreciate you all having me on to talk about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let's let's get right into it. Um, would you would you tell our listeners, uh, you know, a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you are, and and then we'll dig into what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I am I'm ordained clergy in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, um, but I have been working as a therapist for over a decade now. So I've been in private practice working with individual clients. A lot of them have been clergy because I I get it. I'm also married to United Methodist clergy, so I'm also a clergy spouse. So really understand the whole clergy experience. Um, and I'm currently in California. So we are in the, the CalPAC annual conference um, or the Pacific Southwest region, if you're disciples. Um, so yeah, we are in Newport Beach, California. And we just were, we were recently appointed here this past summer. So it's a new appointment for us. And um it's really awesome to live here. <laughs> you know, um, I lived in Oklahoma for a while and then we came out here and it's like, oh my gosh, like they're so spoiled out here. These Californians, they don't know how good they have it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's good to be out here. Um, so I founded Restore Clergy. It was kind of a response to the pandemic. So I was seeing individual clients and um, we moved from Oklahoma to California in March of 2020, or I'm sorry, no, we were seated in March of 2020. So when LA County shut down, we were actually out here being seated um, in Glendale. And so we were there and then we drove back and then we moved out here in uh, the end of June, 2020. So we really felt like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, going out to California with all our stuff in the middle of a pandemic with a toddler and, you know, all of those fun things. So that kind of started the the journey, I guess, and um, really just seeing the impact of being isolated and trying to, you know, build relationships in a new church, um, you know, form those connections. Um, we were in a new conference. We were in a new area. Um, L.A. was really shut down. And so um, for a long time. And so trying to build community was difficult. So in all of that, um, I was feeling, you know, burned out. Um, my husband was struggling too with all of that, um, being in the church. And so um, out of that came Restore Clergy. And so I, I, during that time too, I was going through a coaching certification. So it's Truce Coaching Certification. And it's getting to the root of stubborn change problems. So kind of really trying to get down into your stuff. And it's like, why can't I move through this? Why do I just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So that was a really transformational program for me. And I was like, well, oh, I mean, what if I like pulled this in with my therapy background and then my ministry background 
And I created something to address clergy burnout, which is something that we know from like the Barna studies is becoming um, a huge issue. And I think it's really been in the recent years, a topic that we're all concerned about, you know, annual conferences and regions and then other denominational bodies are really looking at how their clergy are functioning um, and how it's really difficult to be clergy now, you know, like I'm sure you all know just all the different hats you have to wear, wear all the different expertise you're expected to have um, and all of that. So yeah, that's really kind of what created Restore Clergy. So yeah. So as you've done your work, um, you know, I you you definitely lifted it up. Um, as people are coming to you, um, what um, do you see as a, like kind of, there's a, is there a common connection between like the burnout and the you know, all the things that are going on with uh, clergy health. Is there something that you notice and you see? Yeah, so I think a big piece of it, it's it's been a long time coming because as congregations shrink, you know, we don't have as many people in the pews. So then, um, unfortunately, with that, we have less funding. And so with that, we have less, um, and, and inflation's going up and housing is going up. And so there are less resources to where there used to be multiple staff. So you could have someone who's great at pastoral counseling or care. And you have someone who's a great leader and administrative mind. And then you have someone who's a great speaker and does like great Bible studies. Now that's one person. And, and most people can't do all of those things really well. Most of us have giftedness in one area and then we struggle in another area. And so what I've seen with that is that create, creates shame within the individual of like, oh, I'm not good at this. And I think a lot of people leave ministry because it makes them feel bad about themselves because they're like, um, you know, I should be able to do this better. And, and you know, some congregations are great and some congregations are, are critical. And they're like, why aren't you at the hospital visiting somebody? And it's like, well, because I live in rural Oklahoma and it's like an hour and a half to Oklahoma City to visit all these people in the hospitals and it's like, and gas is expensive. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, that's a lot of work. And, and, or, you know, like maybe they don't really enjoy pastoral care, so they'll avoid it. And they'll spend a lot of time on worship, which is like, I love worship and I feel like I'm really gifted there. But then people are like, well, why don't you ever visit anybody or vice versa? You're always out visiting people. You're in coffee shops. You're like talking to people about Jesus, building with disciples. And then your sermons are, you know, like because you're not putting a lot of effort into it or it's just not your giftedness. So um, so I think that's a big piece of it. Um, why clergy are getting burnt out. I think there's a lot of expectations put on them, but I think also if individuals don't deal with their stuff and they don't see how shame is being activated or anxiety or, you know, they can drop into a depression, then it builds until it's like, oh, ministry is the problem. And it's like, I mean, it's probably not helping, but I don't know that that's really the problem. It's probably there are different things that we could do um, and maybe like talking to the laity to get them to, to lift, I don't know, to fill in some of those spaces where you struggle um, and then maybe you wouldn't have to leave, you know? Um, so that's that's my hope with Restore Clergy, um, which I didn't mention earlier. It's a year-long program. 
And we start with an, a week-long in-person retreat. And that's to build group cohesion. We dig into the curriculum a little bit, but it's really about rest and renewal. I really, a lot of the opening retreat is truly a retreat. And we're just like, you can be alone if you want to, you can sleep. Um, you know, like I want people to build trust because we will be talking about things that can be um, deeply personal. And so, you know, that takes safety in the community. Um, and then throughout the year we meet, it's roughly like twice a month over Zoom as a cohort. And then we end again with another week long retreat to kind of wrap everything up. But the curriculum piece is really kind of the first half. There's eight modules and then we're just going to be integrating. So we'll be talking about like, oh, do you see that? that that's your stuff. That's your stuff right there. Like you're talking about it. It's like, and they're like, oh, now I see. Um, and then it's like, so what could you maybe do differently? Like try it and see, you know, because a lot of times, I think especially as Americans, we're like, I want to fix it now. And I just want it to stop. And it's like, well, it just doesn't work like that. You know, these patterns were built a long time ago. You probably had decades of programming in your brain that have established these patterns. So it's going to take time to unwind it. Yeah. So I, I love that. I, and I love how you talk about clergy burnout in the sense of um, we have the gifts, gifts and graces, right? But it's it's not all our job and the the expectations and then the perceived expectations that we put on ourselves as clergy is huge right like yes. we we have to let that go uh and i'm i will look myself in the camera right we have to let <laughs> that go yeah <laughs> um, yeah huge one and and i i think it's one that we don't talk about enough uh, whether it's with clergy, clergy spouses, clergy families, right? Like mm -hmm. there are perceived expectations that we put on ourselves that um, have probably some truth in them somewhere, but maybe don't for most con uh, congregations and they don't expect that of us and they want to help, right? Yeah. They, they want to get in there and go visit and do the things and take care of their community with you rather than looking at you going, why aren't you in all the places at all the times, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you bring that up too, because I think a lot of times clergy are having a trauma response when they move to a new appointment, church, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like this previous church had all these expectations for me. So I'm going to be on and I'm going to like stop it before it happens. And, and, you know, you go in, like you said, with all these self-imposed expectations um, and what's, you know, good and bad about that is sometimes, you know, the congregation's like, yeah, you know, you don't have to do that. Um, but maybe they have other expectations or you're come at you from left field. You're like, Oh, I had no idea. Like, like that, that's what you were expecting of me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there can be a lot of conflict avoidance with that. Um, mm -hmm. fear that you're going to like, they're not going to see you as a leader or whatever it may be weakness or, um, inadequacy or, you know, whatever your stuff is, we oftentimes put it on other people and it's like, see, there it is. And it's like, but, but it, are they really putting that on you or are they triggering it within you? Because I think more often it's just our stuff bubbling up. Like somebody speaks like someone else that was mean to us at another, you know, appointment or um, something like that. It, I mean, it can be our family of origin stuff too. You know, it's like, you know, this, this guy reminds me of my dad. My dad was like, you know, really hard on me and made me feel bad. And so we're critical like my mom. Mm -hmm. So it's helping people really understand that kind of stuff. Um, 
so that they have more awareness when it's coming up. Mm-hmm. You may still feel all the feelings. You may still be flooded and overwhelmed. But if you start to catch it sooner, that's all great. And that's all progress. Yeah. For, for me in every, every appointment, no matter what, what it is, where it is, right? Uh, it's always that imposter syndrome, right? I don't mm-hmm. belong here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were made. What have we done? <laughs> right. And, and it's, you know, bury myself in all of the things so I can be everything to everyone and mm-hmm. we'll make it work. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it does. You're right. It, it, it points out those pieces of, of, you know, my trauma response, my insecurities, all of my things and trying to cover that up and just being all the things for all the people uh, yeah. until I believe that I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I, Matt, you look like you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say like, um, I have, I have that as well. Like my thing is inadequacy. And so like that really hits the nail on my head, on the head. And so, and I can actually feel it physically, like my throat will start to constrict. Um, and it's like, oh, there's my little friend, you know, <laughs> like coming up. But it's like, it took me a while to realize that was happening. Um, and so it still comes up. And sometimes I still go into the same reaction where I will withdraw, I'll avoid um, all that kind of stuff. But um, the more that I reflect and catch it, I'm catching it sooner. It's not as intense. It's not happening as often. And, and that's the stuff that I want people to experience, you know, and like, my hope is, is that in the program, they can actually embody it so they can do it while we're in the program. And I can help them see kind of the, the pattern that's happening. So that then when they're done, it's like, oh, there it is. I feel that what's the stuff that, that works for me. Maybe I need to go for a walk and calm down my nervous system. Maybe I just need a snack because I'm really hungry and my nervous system's freaking out, you know, right. <laughs> like maybe I need a nap. Um, but, you know, kind of helping people identify what's happening so that then they can care for themselves or what I think is often scarier is asking for help and, you know, empowering laity to, you know, or putting it on them, you know, it's like, all right, folks, like, I, I, I can't do this any longer. What are we going to do? And, and as the clergy, you don't have to have all the answers, you know, like we are the body of Christ. And so it's like, I don't know. What are we going to do, folks? What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, and I think you definitely lifted up the uh, the sense of trauma that comes in new appointments. And, you know, United Methodist clergy, that's something that we face uh, quite often. And even you as um, connected with the Disciples of Christ, I know there's always movement uh, in that. Um, and I don't think we talk about it. It's talked about enough in our church that there is this uh, grief that comes with these transitions. Mm-hmm. There's the loss of the, um, you know, the loss of the pastor, whatever that may be. Even if they're not happy with the pastor, there's always going to be a sense of grief that will be there that takes time to heal. And then us coming in, you know, we're bringing all of our stuff. Uh, you know, you've been doing this for a lot of years. Like, it's like, oh, no, like we're going to put up these barriers. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the conversations that we had recently uh, and uh, in one of my meetings was like, they were like, we've noticed a little bit different, uh, feeling about you. And I said, it's because I've kind of relaxed a little bit and things are, uh, in a good place. And, you know, there's, uh, and, and trying to explain to them that in, in itineracy and in itinerant ministry, there's always a sense of loss and grief and struggle and pain. And you're trying to process that while on top of doing all the other hats that you wear, 
and it's hard to be on. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, educating our congregations and ourselves really uh, that that's a part of it. That's part of the whole process. And it's not something that you can just very rarely, I mean, in my experience has told me that very rarely have I been able to come in on day one and truly be fully like feel great. <laughs> Cause there's always those, that grief that comes with the transition. Yeah. Well, and I think the anxiety around that too, of just, or just stress, you know, just stress of moving, um, a lot of times you're moving to a new community. So, so you've not only lost like your church community, but then you've lost your support network as well. You know, and if, and if you go to a, um, a church where maybe it's not a great fit, you know, but you don't figure that out until like six months, a year in, and then you're like, ah, like there's that resistance of like, what do I do? Like, how do I, it just feels like a battle all the time. Um, And I think especially in the United Methodist system, it's like, it's not like you just get to say, hey, I'm going to move. I'm going to leave, you know. Um, So so there's, you know, pluses and minuses. Like the disciples tradition is a search and call. So you you do that. But like with that, they can also fire you. So if they're unhappy, then you have the risk of like losing your livelihood. Mm. Um, And so I think that creates a tremendous amount of pressure to show up and succeed and like make it work. Um, but the church is also, there's so much emotion and, um, you know, vulnerability really that can go into that, talking about your faith, really sharing that with people, you know, even in your sermons, talking about your family or your stuff. You know, I think a lot of people really respond to sermons when we talk about um, like vulnerability or whatever, but it's like, you're exposed. And that, that takes a lot of energy. Um, it takes a lot of, um, fortitude, you know, just within yourself to like, I'm going to put myself out there and then people could criticize me because maybe I triggered their stuff and then they're taking it out on me because they have no awareness that this is their stuff, but they're like, are you talking about that? That's inappropriate. I don't feel like that's appropriate, you know? And you're like, I just bore my soul and you're criticizing me, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a really challenging profession. Yeah, I remember um, a couple of years ago, um, it was right after, um, I think it was after we came out of COVID, somewhere in that time frame of coming out of COVID and then me getting ready to leave, I shared, uh, I, I was extremely vulnerable in the sermon and, and um, I had someone squash all that I was saying. They came up to me and squashed it. And I'm not gonna lie, uh, I like when people say things to me about my sermons and stuff. I like that feedback, mm-hmm. but that one damn near killed me uh, yeah. to the point that where luckily I was in therapy at the time. And I just was like, I'm done. Like I, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Like it's just, I, I shared with them something that they need to hear mm-hmm. that, that and, and to help take mental health, you know, seriously and to, be careful on what you say to people because you never know how, how they'll respond. And that was the response that I got. And I just was like, I can't, uh, I, I was, I'm not gonna lie. uh, You know, before we came out here, I was ready to walk away. Um, I'd been put through the ringer and, uh, was just going through a tough time. And, and I'm not gonna lie. The thought of being a high school history teacher and coaching a sport sounded like a better gig, uh, which that was almost a red flag for me being in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> um, uh, but I knew that like, 
luckily through therapy and through some of the other things that I was involved with at the time, they helped me see that my calling was bigger than just the church. And, uh, uh, and, and, and having a space like what you're offering here, I think is a, is a great space for those to have a space like that, to have a safe space where they can, you know, share some of the stress, the struggles that we're going through, because we really like, it is really hard to find those spaces that we can deem mm-hmm. safe. Um, it's one thing to say we have a clergy cohort and you have, you know, you're forced together in, in covenant groups <laughs> or whatever. And like, you know, that like one of those people one day may be your boss. Do you really want to share with you, with them, like your full stuff? Or do you just, you know, who do you trust? I mean, I, and I, and that's something I know that we wrestle with quite often. Yeah. Well, and that's another reason why I really want this to be ecumenical. And so, because I think that's good for us to get out of our little (laughs) incestuous groups sometimes, you know, like we can just get in there and like clergy cohorts and that kind of stuff. Um, And the safety piece of it of like, yeah, you could be my DS one day, or you could be my regional minister one day. And um, it's like, how vulnerable or how real can I actually be? But I think if there's, um, you know, people from all different kinds of denominations, one will get a theological, a breadth of theology um, that could be interesting. Um, But then also my hope is, is that creates more safety because there's not as much fear of um, like future retribution uh, and things like that. So yeah. And, and the thing I love too about this work is that it's, it's universal, you know, it's like we, we, it, it manifests itself differently in different people, but the patterns tend to be universal. So if we can figure out, you know, what is your pattern and what is that and how is it coming up, then they can take that framework and use it on a different problem. So it's like, um, uh, I'm sorry, I just lost that for a second. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things where you learn the framework here in the restore program. And then if you have another problem later on, then you can kind of use the same framework for that and kind of that, that way of thinking of like, okay, I'm doing the same thing. Why am I doing this? Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Let me back up and see if I can get to the root of it. So, um, yeah. I, Matt and I talk a lot about mental health on this podcast um, for the for the sake of vulnerability, um, but also for the sake of permission giving and uh, trying to just create space for people to be themselves. And we know we have a lot of uh, both clergy and lay people who who listen, and uh, that's a valuable that's a valuable aspect for us as as we talk through this. Um, like I said, creating space for people to um, find the help that they need, find the space that they need, what, regardless of their profession, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such an important conversation for clergy to have because we are so guarded and sometimes when we're vulnerable, it hurts and people mm-hmm. don't see it as that. And yet we keep doing it <laughs> to an extent, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just think it's such an important conversation as as we move forward. Um, I don't know that the stigma on mental health is what it used to be. I think it's getting better. Um, but there's still places where it's hard. Um, just resource-wise. Um, mm-hmm. Montana does not have a lot of mental health resources. 
Uh, we're fortunate to be in a, a larger community in Montana, but we used to live in a town where resources were at minimum an hour away. Uh, wow. And in the dead of winter, not great, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, having those connecting points and pieces, even, even in, when resources are hard to come by, having the conversation is so important. And I love that that you're putting uh, people in the room together who aren't related, right? Or who may be, you know, to, to have a bigger conversation than what is just in front of them. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, as clergy, we don't see beyond our own little issues very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I've also heard like, um, I do this monthly, it's called clergy chat. It's like a, a free thing where clergy can just come together and we talk about different topics. Um, so we've talked about church trauma. We talked about what are you anticipating, you know, different stuff like that. But um, some of the comments that have come up is that clergy feel so isolated too, especially if you're in a rural area. Um, and let's say you are a more progressive leaning clergy and you are in a very rural area where it's there's a lot of very um, conservative theological interpretations. And so that can be really isolating, too, because you don't really feel like you can speak freely about that without there being, um, again, retribution, conflict, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I mean, I don't want to go to a clergy gathering and have conflict. You know, I probably have enough conflict in my church. I don't need that, you know. Right. Um, so it's, it's another way of creating that space. And then my hope is, is that even after the the cohort is concluded, then people will continue that they will build connection where, you know, you can get on a zoom or a phone call and, and be like, can you believe this? Like, I don't know what to do here. Like they're making me nuts or, or celebrate together of like, so well, I was really scared and it like worked out really well. I'm just wanted to share with somebody. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all of that I think is important. That's what we jokingly call this podcast is our therapy session because we spend <laughs> like seriously, we spend about an hour beforehand like uh throwing up on each other and and then trying to figure out what we're gonna talk about. Uh is 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 it's been come I, I hate to say it, it's our process. Like we have mm-hmm. to do that before we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh and sometimes like I'm sure Zach has in our document a plethora of shows that we've said that we're going to do that we've chosen, <laughs> you know, that we just like, we say we're going to do it. And then like, it doesn't happen because we're just, you know, we're in the moment uh, of things, but I think it's definitely great having a space uh, to do that because we, we don't like it, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, Oh, we have all these great things in the space. And in reality, um, Especially, I, I having served in rural communities, I can tell you it doesn't exist, and it's or it's very hard. Or like, you know, when I was out in Western Oklahoma, driving an hour to Oklahoma City, you know, sometimes felt really good, but sometimes it's like I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to, as much as I would love to hang out with people and see you know people that are in the same boat as I am, I just can't do it. And so then self isolating yourself, you know, it becomes even more detrimental to your health, um, and then it just it's a downward cycle, um, and so you know, the great thing is with technology, we can do this. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, it's a great thing. Uh, but there is, and I know I've noticed it since, um, since coming out of COVID um, is that I don't want to do this anymore. I want to sit in a room with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I'm trying to reteach myself how to do that. How do I handle when somebody says something that I'm like, they're an idiot. <laughs> uh, in in real off. life, you can't black your screen right. and roll your eyes and yeah. then come back. 
or there's not a mute button that you can't right. say it without like saying it, you know? Right. Uh, uh -huh. And so, you know, I think it is like we're having to re-enter into that in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think definitely having a space like this is, is healthy uh, for all of us uh, involved. And uh, it sounds like a really great thing uh, that you're offering for, for clergy. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see um, because the program that I did, it was all virtual um, and it was in the the heat of the pandemic, but it had always, she had always done it virtually. Um, and so I, like you, Matt, really felt like having that space and that connection, like we, it's like we need to be in each other's space, you know, especially I think um, you can build trust and safety so much faster that way because you have all those side conversations, you know, um, that you don't have when you're on Zoom and you're like, okay, it's good to see you. And you click off and you're done. Um, when you're like leaving a room or, you know, just meeting up in the hall and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's really important um, for us as human beings. And we have lost a lot of that. And I also understand that as clergy, it's like, I'm peopled out. Like I don't want to be around people. I don't want to have to feel like I have to be happy and like joyful. And it's like, I'm not, this sucks. I'm tired. I don't want to be here, you know? <laughs> So go take a nap. It's fine. You just stay in your room. Totally I call fine. That, I call that Wednesday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you so do you get the like um the Monday slump, you know, a lot of clergy talk about? Uh yes. Uh it's something I experience as as an introverted person. Like Mondays I try to keep as light as possible, just so that way then I'm not cantankerous on Tuesday for meeting day. Cause meeting I don't know what it is. The last three churches I've been in, Tuesday is meeting day. Uh, and it's like all the meetings that we have to have on Tuesday, like they have to be on Tuesday. I would rather than be on Wednesday or Thursday. Cause I'm, I feel more fresh. Uh, mm -hmm. but I do, I'm not like Mondays. I, I am very, very horrible on Mondays to be around and that I need to sit in the coffee shop for like four hours before I can even <laughs> think about engaging somebody, uh, in, in the manner that I have to, uh, yeah, I definitely feel it. I don't know about Zach, but I definitely feel it. Uh, no, I do my staff meetings on Mondays. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I am in hit the ground running. Let's, let's do this. Uh, and then wind my week down to prepare for Sunday. That's, that's kind of, kind of where I roll. Uh, but I'm, a, I, I'm an extrovert. And so people, people are fun. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, that's an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it, I think it's really interesting for, you know, to just have that conversation and think about like, again, what are my patterns? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I feel really great on Mondays. Like, and how helpful would that be going into another like church? Mm -hmm. And you can just go ahead and say, so I'm just going to be real honest. Mondays are not my day. Like, you know, I, I need some space. And so if we have staff meetings scheduled, it's like, it's probably not going to be very successful. So can we transition that to another day? You know, it's like, we don't have to do it right away. You know, I will deal and like, yeah. you know, be an adult and figure it out. But if we can transition over the next month, I think it'll just be more fruitful for everyone. But oftentimes clergy will go in and it's like the suffering servant. And it's like, well, I just, this works for everybody else. I just need right. to make it work. And it's like, you could do that, but it's not sustainable. And you're going to end up being grumpy and probably bite somebody's head off and then feel really bad, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then create a whole thing from that. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's such an important note of identifying those those little things in our life that we have to do, but aren't super life giving, maybe. Right. Or just wear us out. Right. We mm -hmm. enjoy them, but 
damn, they're hard. Mm-hmm. Um, in in yeah, being able to find the words to say, what's Tuesday look like? <laughs> right. Um, for me, it's it, it's on it, when when church members give me details on Sunday. I, I am super honest with them. As soon as I walk out that door, those are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will not remember. Email me or yeah. text me and I'll deal with it tomorrow. Uh, but, I, but I can't today. And, yeah. uh, you know, that does a couple of things. If it's really important, mm-hmm. they'll email. Uh, if it's not, they don't. Uh, and then I, the onus isn't on me to deal with it, right? Um, but that, that was one of the things I had to learn rather than keeping everybody's detail on Sunday that they were trying to give me on their way out the door, shaking hands. I can't do that. Um, and, and it took me a long time to be able to find those words and not feel guilty about it. Um, but it's so, it's so important for all of us to find that does, I I can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) can can you do this for me? You know, Uh and, and I, and I can respond appropriately, right? Like I can take that on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about me, but I can do that. Like I can, when someone mm-hmm. says, Hey, I need you to, and like, no, 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 put it in an email, text me, but not today. Today's worship. Uh, it's not business. Uh, we, you know, or, you know, that's, you know, or they come up with an idea and like, that's great. Email it to me, text it to me just because I want to create that space for one, for them to think about it again. But then the other is, is that I'm not thinking about that as I'm getting ready to do, to lead worship when I'm already in that mindset and, t- and, and attitude of what I need to do to make that experience a sacred experience. And, uh, because I, there have been times where I've allowed that to creep in and then it's throwing everything off about the experience. And then I'm just angry and upset. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, it doesn't need to be this way. Like it can easily be like manageable. And, and like I said, I have no problem saying, just put an email or text it to me and we'll, you know, it will get, it will get addressed. Uh, and so like Zach's right, it's amazing how many people forget to do that too. And so then it's like, maybe it wasn't as important as you thought it was. So, yeah. Well, so was that, is that something that you have always been able to do or is that as you've matured in ministry? Oh, that's certainly a learned behavior. Okay. (laughs) I know for me, it was something I picked up, uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. This will be funny uh, for you. I picked it up uh, learning from Robert Rose at Chapel Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw him do it, and I was like, I gotta do. Like, I'm gonna do that. Like, that looks like a good idea. Like, that's a great thing. Because by then, I'd already been in the, working in a church for several years, and when we found ourselves at Chapel Hill, uh, getting to learn from him, that was one of the things that I took away from him. Was like, in, during on Sunday morning, I would watch him when people would come up to me and say, "Could you put that in an email for me so I can remember it?" And that's what he would say. And and so that's, I've just adopted that since then. And I've had no, like, I have had no problems about it. And even if the person says they don't email, what well, I say, all right, so then write it down and, and put it in my box. Uh, and so I try to create that space for those that aren't digital yet to, mm-hmm. to, to feel like they're being heard. Um, because I think that sometimes we forget that not everybody emails. And so just having that space to say, hey, like, I recognize that you have this thing that you want to share or talk about, like, just write it down and I'll, we'll, you'll hear from me. So, yeah. Well, and I love that you bring up Robert because Chris learned a lot from him working with him as well. And, and I think that brings up a good point of how we can model that, not just for like other clergy, you know, but for like our, the people in our congregation of, um, you know, it really is okay to say no. It really is okay to like ask people to work with you and what your capacity is and, and where you are today. And, um, I think so often 
again, that idea of like Jesus as the suffering servant and we're, we're meant to be that way. And it's like, I think that can be abusive in some situations. And I think it can be used to um, manipulate people and make them feel bad. And so to get what you want. And so again, that's where like understanding, you know, what is my stuff? What might be coming up? Then we have a better understanding of like, I see what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to do this for you. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it. But there might be blowback. And so then there's like, how do we get support around conflict? How do we, um, I don't know, hold people accountable, have that healthy interaction um, and not feel like as clergy or as staff um, that we just have to acquiesce and do what everybody wants us to do. It's like, no, I'm a human being. I do have, I, I, I have a physical body that has needs. And sometimes I have to just take care of that. <laughs> so one of, well, one of my favorite things, I, I have a retired pastor here who he served here 18 years um, and retired seven or eight years ago. And, uh, you know, he and his wife are fairly regular, super supportive, uh, do a beautiful job as retired uh, clergy and spouse. And like six months in, he emailed me and said, hey, take a nap. We'll see you later. <laughs> That was it. That was the That's email. So awesome. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I should probably take it out. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but it was just, you know, what permission giving, right? From, yeah. from a from the person who's been here, right? Yeah. Who, who truly understands and know these people and it's like, go take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Or just like holding up a mirror and being like, uh, do you see what uh -huh. you're doing here? I just, uh -huh. I just wanted to reflect that for you and, and you can do with it as you choose, but mm -hmm. just want to like bring that to your attention. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally doing that. Aren't I? Yeah. Thanks. Good to know. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and just, yeah, finding those people, right. Whether, you know, as clergy or as people in our church, encouraging to find those people and find those people who will tell you to take a nap right? Yeah. Uh, or who will go on a walk with you or, you know, whatever, right? Like find, find the people that make space. Yeah. Well, just notice, yeah. you know, like they just, just notice like, you seem a little, you, you seem a little stressed. You okay? You okay? Right. No, I'm not okay. Thank you for asking. I'm not okay. I don't know what to do about it either. Freaking right. out over here. And it's Advent and there's nothing I can do about it until the beginning of the year. So, and it, but thank you for noticing. Right. Well, or I would argue with that, you know, like, I think that, I think that keeps us trapped. You know, right. it's like, it's like we can, but the consequences may be too high. Right. It's you know, it's like, it's, expectations, yes, right? yeah. absolutely. Yes. And it's like, and if we, if we know that we are choosing, it's like, that is too great of a risk. It's too much blowback. It's not worth it. So I'm going to choose to do this, but I've got to let something else go. Or my mm -hmm. body's going to shut down. Mm -hmm. Like you get sick. Or, I mean, for some people that have mental health stuff, it can become dangerous to where they drop into a deep depression and they can become suicidal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or your anxiety skyrockets and you're like having panic attacks again. And so it's like, it, it behooves us to like find it on the front end where we still have choice mm -hmm. of, um, you know, who's where, you know, who's going to give is, is my family going to give and maybe like I'm not going to go to the Christmas pageant yeah you know and then like feel really bad about that or 
um, is church going to give? And I'm, I'm not going to do the Bible study this week. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, guys, I've tapped. I know it's our last one and I know it's Advent, but I just need either y'all do it or we just won't have it. And, you know, kind of those things can be really hard, but the consequences can be really big Mm -hmm. if we don't, um, if we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, I think too, that's where like even our physical health, I think that gets neglected Mm -hmm. more than anything. And yes, uh, that we forget that like, if we don't feel good, like we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't have to try to kill ourselves to do something that we really should um, address what our body's telling us. And, and I'm, I'm gonna lie, that's something I have definitely learned in the last four years <laughs> is that going through some of the health issues that I had gone through the, uh, these last four years, listening to my body was key for me to continue, to continue, to keep doing, or to keep, you know, uh, whatever it was, um, and to know what my limitations are, what I can do. And, and even now as I'm, uh, leaning into having, uh, two new hips, um, I'm having to learn that there are things I can't do anymore that I used to could do that where, you know, that when someone looks at me and they see the young guy that I should be able to do these things, I'm like, I can't, I'm can't physically do that anymore. Um, right. And so just, uh, I think definitely paying attention to the body is, is key. Uh, uh, and I think it's something that sometimes in these kind of conversations does get neglected and, yeah. you know, we work on our mental health, which is great, but if we're not doing our physical health, like we're not walking, we're not at least somewhat exercising, um, then we uh, can find ourselves almost in the same pot that we were in uh, prior to, you know, dealing with our mental health issues. Yeah. Well, and that, that brings up a good point about like um, a lot of clergy accommodate in a lot of ways. That's a typical stress response um, of like, I will just acquiesce and I will do what you want me to do because that feels good and it feels easy. Um, but in that, you know, if you have, let's say you have dietary needs or something like that, it's like you're going to the church potluck and it's like, you know, it's like, it's a deeply personal thing. It's like, this is my body and I don't really want to share all of my personal health information with everyone. Um, and like, is there a way that I can do this so that they can know, like, it's not that I don't want your macaroni and cheese, but like gluten really tears me up and makes me sick for days. And so, um, you know, all that kind of stuff too, of, how much do we have to share about our personal lives? Um, I, I think that gets really tricky um, because it is so, it's such a unique profession where there is that intimacy, I guess, that comes from it. You know, like you're with people and uh, when they're dying, you're with people when they've lost a loved one, you're with people when they're scared for, you know, their, their, physical health, or they're having like a crisis of faith. Like these are deeply personal things. Um, and it's like, what's the expectation of us? It's like, do I have to share all that with people that maybe I don't really trust fully, you know, and maybe that's appropriate and maybe it's a trauma response. Um, so it can be really complex. And then, you know, building all that stress, then what do we do with it? Do we binge on Netflix? Do we maybe like drink too much alcohol in the evening? You know, like, Uh, eat too much food because in the moment that feels good. But the lasting impact of all of that, um, it's just a lot. Y'all It's a lot, (laughs) so many things. It is. And, and such an important conversation, uh, and space to make for people. I, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get over it. We need more, more of it, uh, (laughs) for clergy, for families, for lay people, for everybody in between. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
it's just hard. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Hard. Yeah. And I think the more we learn about how mental health, physical health, spiritual health, you know, all of those things are kind of um, in, in, entwined, um, the more it's also like, we, we need a team of people to like work on this because it's like, you know, I can, I can do the mental health part and I have like some knowledge about the physical health stuff, but you know, maybe just enough to be dangerous kind of thing, you know? Um, and, and then the spiritual piece, but it's like, uh, how do we all work together? And that's the beauty of like a cohort too, is because you can help each other out. Nobody has to know everything. Um, we can have conversations and give each other resources and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, what I, what I hear you saying is, is we're not, we're not alone. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. We're surrounded by people who love us and, and who don't know us yet, who, who want to be there and, uh, finding, finding those circles of people to surround yourself with is so, so vital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it takes courage too. Absolutely. Because it does. yeah, for it to really be effective, um, you have to show up and show your authentic self and that, you know, that can take time. Cause I think a lot of people think they're being their authentic self and it's like, but you're really not, you still got some layers yep. of protection. And it's like, you know, we don't, I'm not going to say like, you have to tear that down, but I will ask like, so why, why, why is that still there? Why do you think? And they may be like, I have no idea. And it's like, okay, well then let's, can we talk about it? You know? That kind of stuff. And if they're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Maybe you'll hear from other people and you'll be like, oh, that makes all the sense. Now right. I see. And then maybe it will slowly kind of fade away. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Kenzie, thank you. We want to be a good steward of your time. Would you tell us one more time where we can find uh, more information about Restore Clergy and get in contact with you? Yes, it's super easy. It's www.restoreclergy.com. So um, I know it's like, you know, and I have um, more about the organization because I didn't mention this. It's a nonprofit. Um, so we are a 501c3. Um, but then also you can find out about the different programs. So I have the year long Restore Clergy program. And actually, I just we're about to launch in January with Church World Service is sponsoring um, a cohort for women. And so that's launching um, in January. And then um, post Easter, the week after Easter, the Tuesday after Easter, we are starting a Restore Clergy group. So that's when our rest and renewal retreat will be. And that starts the year long um, cohort program. Um, and then I have the monthly ch clergy chat. We actually just had the December one yesterday. So the next one will be in January and you can sign up for that. It's totally free. Once you're on the list, you will get the Zoom link um, the day of. And then you just show up and we talk about different stuff. And um, even if, you know, you don't want to talk, there's usually interesting conversation going on that people can listen to. And um, and we found that it's pretty meaningful. So I enjoy it. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. We, we will put... Uh all of that in the show notes of how people can get to you and whatnot. I'm sure Matt and I will be out there at some point <laughs> <laughs> awesome. to join you in a cohort. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're grateful for the work that you're doing in the space that you're creating. It is so, so important for uh just the people around us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, uh, Kenzie, before uh we sign off here, don't uh, tell Chris I said hi. <laughs> okay, I will for sure. Yeah. Uh, but like, like Zach said, we'll have the uh, link to the website in our show notes uh, and 
I would encourage you to check that out if you're clergy, or even as if you're a layperson who's involved in your church, it's a great way to have some knowledge to help your clergy be successful. Um, it's it's also a good way to to tap into that, to know that that's out there for them. Uh, and so yeah. I encourage you to do that. Um, yeah. Anything else before we wrap up? Well, just, just to that point, I also come in and I speak about like different things. So if there's like a, um, it could be mixed with clergy and laity talking about typical stress responses again, like that's a universal truth. And so like it it manifests in ministry in different ways and it might, you know, show up in lay people's, but it's, it's one of those things where whatever your context is, you can, you can learn from that. So, um, just, I love speaking about that stuff too, because there's so many aha moments that people have like, Oh, I had no idea that I do that, but that makes all the sense. I'm like, yeah, doesn't it? this is amazing stuff. I love it. So yeah, but no, it's been really great talking yeah. with y'all. Anytime you're uh, wanting to come back on, uh, just let us know. We'll be glad to, to have you back on. Um, and so for our listeners, I uh, encourage you to go to our website and check out all of our great uh, past podcasts. You can check out the show notes for uh, this show. And if uh, you need still need a Christmas item for uh, your special bearded theologian in your life, you can click on the buy things and uh, buy things to uh, uh, have for your uh, person that you're wanting to buy a gift for. Even if it's a gag gift or a white elephant <laughs> gift, please feel free to do that. They make great gifts. Um, and so for the bearded theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. I want you to subscribe and like this video and put that thumbs, push that thumbs up. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.